0: Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive.
1: Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm Rachel Marshall with my co-host, Bruce Weiner. And we have special guest with
2: us, Brian Dixon. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Rachel and Bruce. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brian. This is really a pleasure and an honor to be able to talk with you and share your wisdom and your knowledge with the world. So let me just give a little bit of background and kind of the angle that we're going to come into the conversation today. So Tribe, if you are listening and you're in a position of trying to either start a new business or carve a new path with thought leadership or or expand from where you currently are standing to having additional revenue streams and additional impact, this is a conversation for you. So if you are looking to navigate a clear path to two things, to impact into income. That's exactly what we're talking about today. And the reason is that Brian Dixon is a best-selling author. He has written a book called Start With Your People. Um, I also know that he is a TED Talker. I don't know what you call that. He has done a TED Talk. <laughs> TED Xer. TED Xer. There you go.
2: <laughs> yep. There
1: you go. So not. I don't think anyone that we've had on the show has been on... Yes, actually one has been on TED Talks before at least. So a brand new TED Talk, TED TEDxer today. And he's also the marketing mentor and business coach to help you get clarity and grow your business. So really, Brian is going to help us today to share just what he does with businesses and what his leverage point is to really help businesses expand and grow to that point of impact and income. So Brian, with that being said, thank you so much again for joining us today.
2: I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to share my journey a little bit with, with, with your audience here. And, and, you know, ideally encourage you, the listener, the the viewer to, to move forward, to take your experience and realize that your experience can be turned into income. And, and by, by, by converting your experience into income, you can make a greater impact. And so that's why I love the left foot and the right foot of impact and income. And I know for, for many that are in a a job right now, and you're making a great income, but you just don't feel like you're making an impact Let's figure that out today.
1: That is awesome. Um, Brian, what you may know and what you may not know about our audience, a lot of them are very entrepreneurial thinkers already and kind of in that space that they're saying, yes, I'm aligned. Often they're already having a business and they're already creating that income stream through a business and they're looking for ways to continue to grow their impact and income through that. And yet we do have listeners as well who are in that position of saying, I'm in a job, I want to make that leap somehow to the business space at some point. And so we are talking to both people today. So let's go ahead and kind of dial back to the beginning of your story. How did you get to this position of being a business coach, a marketing mentor, having a best-selling book, having a TED talk? Where did that start for you?
2: Yeah, I think if you go if you go all the way back um, I, I absolutely just fell in love with, with creating music. That's really where it starts. I was in uh, 11th grade and my parents bought me a garage sale guitar. And I just like a fish to water. I just took to that guitar. I took it with me everywhere. It was like a $20 uh, acoustic uh, garage sale guitar. And I just had dreams of rock stardom, you know, just playing like, what was it? Uh, Nirvana Unplugged was the, the popular album at the time. I'm probably dating myself. But like, that was the beginning for me. And I was like, wait, I can write my own songs. I can take these songs and I can perform them places. I can start a band and have a lot of fun with friends. And, and all of that was like, the art part was kind of fun. But what I really love doing, this is going to sound so crazy, but what I love doing is cold calling venues. I, and I was pretty good at it. Like I would call a venue. I remember this one call I had, I, I was a, I don't know, 16, 17 year old kid. I called this like really well-known restaurant. I was living in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, because I'm a dual citizen, grew up in the States, but we moved to Canada because my dad was a college professor. Oh. And, and so I called this, this restaurant that would have bands on the weekend. And I called them and I talked myself, I talked our band into being the featured performer the weekend. And and all these, uh, you know, colleagues, right, at the time, like all these other bands are way more famous than us, way more well-known than us, signed deals and everything. They, they came to me at the, they came to the show and they're like, how did you get this gig? I was like, I just, I called and I just asked for it. And that, that for me was like my first entrepreneurial journey was just like being the guy that went and got the gigs for the band. And then I'm like, wow, people come to the show. So let's sell them something. So then I had to figure out how to do t-shirts and, and how to record, but it wasn't really the recording or the writing. It was actually the creating of the product. And I've just always loved making stuff that, that didn't exist before. You know, and then the internet comes along, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like you can actually take an idea and instead of selling it just to people local in like Winnipeg, Manitoba, or wherever you happen to be, right? Now you can take this thing and you can find your tribe online. So you can find people who love the weirdest thing that you love, because we all like weird stuff. So you can take the weird thing that you love and you can connect to people. There's a great article by Kevin Kelly called A Thousand True Fans. And that that just changed my life when I read that article. Because the whole idea is like. All you really need to do is find the one thing that you like doing that's super weird. You find a thousand other weird people that are willing to pay you monthly or once a year or something. and now you have a six figure business if you're just focused. So that was kind of the beginning of of my journey.
1: That is fascinating. I don't think Bruce we've ever had anyone on talk about uh, music being their start. So that's really interesting and super fascinating that you realized you loved cold calling venues oh, so and that's a sales conversation is really what it is. you were selling the ability for them to have what they wanted, good entertainment, and you were putting yourself into that slot. So very, very fascinating. I love also, you mentioned the shift to recognizing that you could take it online. When was that for you? Was it when businesses were starting to go online or was it before?
2: Yeah, you know it's so funny because I I feel like I'm so late to the game. Like for for my age, I I I could have you know been been early in on like buying a bunch of domain names and flipped them or or started websites early or something. Like I I really didn't see the business opportunity of the internet on, until a, a pretty hard story that I'll I'll, I'll share quickly. Um, we were this is in. 2003. So it's kind of early internet days, but not super early. Like there was, you know, MySpace and, and, and there was some of the web kind of 2.0 stuff. So like people are using the internet on a regular basis at this time, at this point, uh, back in 2003. And, and so my wife and I were living in San Diego, California. We we're both um, school teachers. So we're just doing our best trying to teach kids. I was a, I was like a, kind of like a yearbook. I, I taught video editing yearbook, a little bit of drama. Like I was kind of like trying to figure out what I was doing, but really I was, uh, I was sort of like the elective teacher that was fun to have his class. Like that was what I did middle school and high school. My wife was an elementary school teacher and, and from San Diego, California, we, we moved, we, we, uh, uh, for, for Christmas vacation, we go to New Jersey where my family is from. And we visit my family and my aunt and uncle in their house. And, you know, they, they put on Christmas that year. So they had just renovated their downstairs, uh, their basement and i had an 11 year old cousin at the time and he for christmas he got his room completely renovated he had to share a room with his like with his younger sibling he finally got his own room and and so you know my kids know what that's like now right it's like super fun to get your own room and he got his own room and his christmas present was an internet connected computer in in the basement in in his room and everybody was ooing and eyeing and going like this is amazing like he's going to do so much homework downstairs it's going to be amazing and we all went back to um you know, back to, back to family dinner for Christmas. And I had the sinking feeling like in the pit of my stomach, just this like worry, like there's something going on. Something's not right. And it was really my experience, right? My experience as a classroom teacher, I know when kids are unsupervised and they have the internet, they get into trouble, And I saw that with my students and that was sort of what's obvious to me, right? What's obvious to me is kind of magic to other people. What's obvious to you, like, you know, your industry. I knew my industry as a teacher. And so as everybody continues like eating and talking for Christmas dinner, I politely excuse myself. I sneak downstairs, I walk into his bedroom, I go onto his computer and I click one button on the computer. And my greatest fear was realized in clicking that button. I clicked the history button. And there it was, list after list, so I, like line after line after line of pornographic websites wow. that my 11 year old cousin was completely wow. addicted to. 11, like not, not 25, wow. 11 years old. And That's it hit so me in terrifying. that moment that, like, it's my fault. Like I'm a, I'm a technology teacher. Like I should have told my aunt and uncle, like, make sure you have a filter. Don't put a computer in a kid's bedroom, you know? And so I just ruined Christmas. Right. I mm-hmm. just ruined it for everybody. A couple days later, we get on a plane, we go back to San Diego and on the way home, I stop at a Barnes Noble. And I walked up to like the bearded bookseller and I'm like, do you have a book on, or it was said, I said, where's your internet safety section? And he kind of laughed. He's like, "What internet safety, what are you talking about? He showed me like the programming books. It's like, there's not a book on internet safety. This is 2003. And I'm like, maybe I should write it. And that was the first time I went, wait, wait a second. I've got something that I know that other people need. And so what I did over the next couple months is anytime I'd have a, a, a parent pick up a kid from my class or, or we had a parent night, I started giving a little presentation on, Hey parents, by the way, you know, we're doing cool stuff in your book and cool stuff in video editing. But by the way, here are a couple of tips to keep your kids safe on the internet. And it just kind of naturally flowed from me because, because mm-hmm. I felt like this frustration, right? I often tell my clients, let your frustration fuel you. And I was frustrated that parents didn't know these things that I have learned. And so my wife and I took um, spring break that year. And instead of going on vacation, which was well-earned working with middle school kids, we decided to stay for a week for all of spring break, pull ourselves up into the video studio at the school. And we filmed a DVD and it was called the internet in your kids, healthy habits for a safe online home. And the whole idea was like, we're just going to hand this to the parents of my students. Like, I didn't Mm -hmm. even think it was a product yet. I was just like, I just want to help these families. And so, but I didn't know how to make a DVD. And so I literally called um, DVD duplicators and they said, you have to make a thousand. I was like, I don't have money. I can't make a thousand DVDs. So I, I, I discovered print on demand. And there was a company called CreateSpace, which later got bought by Amazon. And I was able to send the files to CreateSpace. They loaded the DVD onto Amazon and now it's available to order. And I ordered three copies of my own DVD so I could keep them in the classroom library. That's, I thought I was done. And then uh, 60 days later, I log into my Washington Mutual account, my, my bank account at the time. And there was an $800 charge from Amazon. And I was like, oh no, what did I do? Like, did I, like, I broke it. Like, what did I do? And it turns out it wasn't a charge. It was a deposit that me loading the DVD on Amazon, that there were other people who were searching for internet safety. They were finding my DVD and they were buying it. And so I started receiving residual payments from Amazon every, anytime somebody would buy my DVD. And that's where it hit me. Wait a second. You can make something on the internet and you can sell it to people and you don't have to do any of the distribution yourself. And that was really the beginning of my journey creating things online.
1: I think that's really interesting, especially that entrepreneurial drive to make things and to yeah. solve problems and it's interesting that you kind of fell into that without even thinking hey this is a business but yes. you were thinking the internet is a distribution channel there's people who want this there's a need that needs to be solved i have the skills to solve it and that kind of all came together for you which is really at the core of the secret sauce of any entrepreneurship endeavor so
0: mm-hmm. so so of, rachel go you've ahead. got all you got all of that out of it and what i got out of it is porn for an 11 year old is good. So I don't, I don't know what you were thinking. Uh, but, but what's in, but what's interesting, I, uh, Brian, you don't know this, but I spent 16 years in middle school teaching. Wow. Um, so I, I understand exactly, exactly what you started talking. I knew exactly where you were going before you even got there Yeah. because you get to, cause I did all boys. So I, I know the mind of that. That age group, and so I, I was like, that wasn't a very good idea, right there. And then the other thing that you might find interesting is I, when AOL came out, I'm a lot older than you. When AOL came out, their distribution method was to get it in the hands of educators. That's right. And they were trying to grow it like that. So my people, I still have an AOL uh, account. Wow. And I I tell people it's so old that my password is four characters oh my goodness simply four characters and people are amazed amazed by that <laughs> but um as i looked at um your website and and what you do yep i was very very interested in you know kind of your know, the traditional funnel that you have on sure. your website um uh i actually uh did a complete one year um I guess, uh, apprenticeship under Ted McGrath there in Southern California. Amazing. And, it, and I don't know if you're aware of him because a lot of your stuff looks a, a lot like huh. uh, what he talks about. Uh, it. But it, I thought it might be nice to go over, you know, that, that marketing that you do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, what, what, I, what I learned from the experience of creating the DVD is when i would tell that story uh because i started i i kind of became an internet safety speaker and i started speaking at conferences and and that led to some other leadership opportunities and 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 my professional career sort of the the last job i had was was launching a charter school and it was just it was just a dream of a lifetime to create my own school from scratch i was kind of one of those teachers that kept getting in trouble because i would like borrow equipment for the kids and we'd stay late and you know like i'd take them on a field trip like i was just always getting in trouble from the administration and i be- i became the administration so i could create my own thing so that was like my last kind of job in education starting the charter school and i had to discover how to like how to market your school like that's how I fell in love with marketing is because we had to get the school filled with kids like we had to mm-hmm. figure out how to how to have kids sign up for the school and so I, I had to discover marketing um, but but when I tell the story about the internet and your kids save uh, a DVD um, I would have parents who would have follow up questions but I was finding more and more uh, at at ed- educator conferences when I would tell that story they would come up to me and they'd say you know I have an idea for a DVD I have an idea for a book. I have an idea for something on Amazon. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I realized it's kind of like the old, um, what do they say that the people that made the most money during the gold rush weren't the people that were mining the gold. They were the shovel sellers, right? right. They're the people that are pro- providing the supplies. And I realized there's an ancillary business in whatever you're doing, there's an ancillary business in teaching people how you did it. Mm-hmm. And, and I just fell in love with the idea that like, I have a message that matters, but you have a message that matters. And I can make a bigger dent in the universe, right? I can make a bigger impact in my lifetime when I help other people figure out how to take the message out of their heart and out of their head and get it onto the web. And if I can help you do that, and you can make an impact and an income to the point where you're, you're making a difference in your community, you're making a difference in your industry. Then there's all these little pebbles that are being thrown in that, in the great water, right? Like there are Mm -hmm. all these little pebbles. And this ripple effect is just amazing. And, you know, that's, that's been the joy of my life is being able to do that. We've, we founded a membership site for writers called Hope Writers, 4,000 members. I mean, we've just, there's probably been a hundred books that have been published as a result of Hope Writers. Mm, You know, there's, there's been countless dollars, probably 10 plus million dollars that I've helped my clients create over the last couple of years. And like the impact of that is like the next three generations, you know? So even though I have a message, I, I 100% believe as a coach that I've made even more of an impact by helping other people get their message out.
1: That is fascinating. And I love that idea of empowering others to do their work because, I mean, ultimately that's what it comes down to, right? People don't buy your things because of you. Yep. They don't buy because you're awesome. They buy because of what it's going to help them accomplish 100%. in their life. It's about yep. them, which I have a hunch might have a little bit to do with your book, start with your people. So Bruce, I think I'm taking away from your question though. So oh, let's... Brian, you decide which one you want to take first. How do you want to, we can Love either it. talk about, um, how you help people specifically create their message and get sure. their message out there. And I also want to talk about your book, start with your people. So you, you pick where you want. Yeah. to. Go next.
2: Well, I, I'm just thinking about the viewer or the, or the listener right now. So I'm, th- I'm thinking about you right now as you, as you watch this video, or as you listen to this, um, how do you get started? And I 100% believe that your mess is your message, that, that you were living your life just trying to do the best you could, right? You're just, you're waking up every day doing the best you could. And then something happened. And maybe it's, maybe it's something really hard. Like, like you, you know, you're like uh, one of my clients, like has like her, his teenage daughter killed herself. Like, that's really hard. <laughs> how do you deal with that? Like, how do, you, how do you wake up the next day? Like, how do you show up as a dad to your other kids? after you lose a child. Oh my goodness. Right. Or, um, you're thinking about, you know, you got two kids, you're like, life is pretty good. And then you decide to have a third kid and your third kid is severely disabled. And and now you're a special needs mom. And how do you, how do you show up as a special needs mom? And so like, I I want you to know that, that you have something that you've overcome like you're still here. You're watching this video. You're listening Mm -hmm. to this podcast, right? So you've overcome something. So I'd say you have to mine your past for diamonds. You look back and you go, what is it that I've overcome? What is it that I I struggled with or somebody that I love and know has struggled with? And I helped them. So you help somebody already. You already did it. So now you just kind of document it. So there's really three steps. Number one, where are they stuck, right? Where are they stuck? And, uh, and then, you know, what I would say, where's the pain, right? So they're all peace. So what's the pain? And then number two, what's the promise, which is probably what you're living right now. You are literally in the promised land because the you three years ago, five years ago was at a hard place and you were stuck in the pain, but you overcame it. Right. And because you're living the promise now, and, and then what's the path to get there. So you have the pain, You have the path and then you have the promise. And if you can figure out those three things, and I think you just mind your past, you just look back and go, you know what? I I really wanted to work for this company. I really wanted to start my own accounting firm. Like I really wanted to start my own business. And I thought about it for five years and I didn't do it until I got laid off. And that was hard. But you know what? Laying off, getting laid off was the best thing that ever happened to me because it made me start my business. (laughs) And then what are the five steps you followed or what are the seven steps you followed to start your business, to get your business from stuck to success? And if you can kind of figure that out, you just start teaching that. Just start doing it for free on TikTok or Instagram or or LinkedIn. Just start sharing your message. And as you start sharing your message, people are going to go, wait a second, like your story is my story and and maybe your process is my process. And then you're going to start to see people show up. So that's what I mean by start with your people is just start with the people around you already. There's already somebody in your life right now, believe it or not, who would love to trade places with you, right? There is someone right in in your life right now who looks at you and goes, what? Like, how do they do it? How do you do it? And you can simply start sharing how you do it online. and, And people will private message you and go, can you teach me more about that? And that will lead to so many opportunities to, maybe it's a book, maybe it's a workshop, maybe it's a membership site. There's so many opportunities once you start sharing your story. You said pain, pain, path, yep. and promise. Pain, path, and promise. I People just wanna... overcomplicate the funnel or overcomplicate online marketing, but really, at the end of the day, it's just about connecting to the one person who's stuck where you used to be stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, so my my most recent sort of stuck stuckness is I quit that charter school job. I was getting you know six figures a year leading this. million budget, school, you know, every, every day, really showing up and doing the best I could. And and I knew that I had a message. I wanted to be a full-time author and speaker. And so I had to give notice. I had to non-compete with my school. So I couldn't even share my message. Like I had to, I had to wait that out. And so how do you go from you're you're in a job that's pretty good, but you've got a bigger dream? Like, how do you, how do you do that? And so, so I know that you can leave something that's good, right? Good is the enemy of great. Mm-hmm. Like you can leave something that's good for something greater. And I've been there. And so helping people kind of get over that mindset is sort of what I do now. And so in the same way, like you, you can help people who are stuck where you used to be stuck and, mm-hmm. and you're the best, best case study. Cause you've lived it. Like you're still here today.
0: That's, that's awesome. Do you believe that everyone uh, can be an entrepreneur? Or, or there's some mm-hmm. people that are, are just not cut out for that. Because I'm, I'm asking you this question because, yeah. you know, this is something that Rachel and I uh, have been espousing for a year. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you have to step back and start thinking about certain things. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I, I saw the August uh, numbers where people quit their jobs and then yeah. September and then October. And a lot of people are quitting their jobs. Because they're unhappy, but now they're—I believe—they're getting into into this entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah. But are they really cut out for it? You know, um, and are they going to not not have the 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 discipline, the fortitude, you know, so on and so forth that is needed uh, to do this? That's right. And 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 how maybe uh, one of the things you and I ought to do together is uh, I have uh, teach people to identify whether they really should. You know, getting yeah. to an entrepreneurial. Uh, I love it. It's situation. a good
2: question. I think it's Elon Musk who said entrepreneurship is like uh, chewing on glass and staring into the abyss. <laughs> so, I, I it's miserable, but it's a beautiful misery. You know, I would not want to live another way. They say entre- entrepreneurs are people who who decide not to work for somebody else for 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 forty hours a week, so they can work for themselves for eighty hours a week. Right. You know. Right, right. So, I I think sugarcoating it is 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 not going to serve anybody. And and you know it's like the American Idol syndrome, right? Like the idea of you becoming like TikTok famous overnight and, and you post one thing and it goes viral and then all of a sudden you have a thriving business. You don't. And I've worked with many quote unquote influencers who like they had something funny and cool and then a lot of people paid attention, but they couldn't convert that into an actual real business. Mm-hmm. So business mm-hmm. has not changed in a thousand years. It's who's the customer? What's their problem? What's the, what do they want? What's the solution and how can you provide it? In, in a in, you know higher quality lower price faster you know like that has not changed I, I do one hundred percent believe that like there is a greater version of you living inside of you right it's a great mm-hmm. book by uh, it was Jeff Olson wrote the Slight Edge and the idea of like or or uh, or, or Mike Gerber calls it. Uh, uh, you have the the lazy bones like there's there's a part of you that that just kind of wants to eat cookies all day and just watch tv and then there's the other part of you that actually wants a mission to pursue and like make a difference in the world and so i think entrepreneurship is like the best personal development program out there so Amen. if you if you want to make the biggest impact in your life i think either you become an entrepreneur and you make an impact on your team and on your clients and on your industry or you work for somebody who's really entrepreneurial uh, and, you, and you support them and, and you help them grow the, you know, the company. Um, Gino Wickman, uh, you know, he, he says that there's two, there's two personalities: there's a visionary and the integrator. And the integrator generally is going to be more of an employee. And so one of our companies, like we have a very entrepreneurial integrator. She's a chief operating officer, but she's very entrepreneurial. But she and I were talking the other day and she's like, I don't think I could ever start my own business. And so, and she's amazing. And so to answer your question, I don't think everybody's cut out to be. The founding entrepreneur necessarily, but I think all of us are made for the time that we're living in, and and as we are living in this time, we seek out opportunity, and that opportunity might be coming alongside somebody who's already started something and saying, "Can I help you take it to the next level?" Mm-hmm. And I think that's entrepreneurial. And so I, I'm kind of trying to remember. I think there's a book called The Entrepreneur. So. I think you're either an entrepreneur by starting your own thing, or you could be an intrapreneur by, by being an employeepreneur, right? By working with somebody and helping to take their thing to the next level.
0: I think yeah. you can also do that with investing. Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> one of the things that we espouse, and I got to be careful here because I cannot talk about certain things on uh, open right. podcast. But uh, yeah. one of the things we uh, espouse is that there is ways that are, uh, you're able to invest that are more investing in direct businesses than in just into a stock market. And yet people don't know they exist. Now there are some reasons people don't know exist because a lot of this is, is not available to somebody unless they're an accredited investor. Right. But, but the, the last administration actually put in uh, something called um, and regulation a plus, which actually brought the, uh, the credit more accessible. accessible for yeah. middle class America, so I love that. Uh, it's It's something that I think uh, we call it entrepreneurial investing so, uh, so that people that can actually have access to the minds of entrepreneurs.
2: it's so it's so powerful. well it, and and here's like a practical example. like if you find somebody like just a Kickstarter, you know Kickstarter is a site that has ideas all the time. Like there's new, cool ideas all the time. What if you were to just go on Kickstarter, make it a daily practice? One of my favorite websites is called Product Hunt. So Product Hunt releases like, there's just people kind of, kind of this is a new product that I have available. And, and it's a sort of pitch it to, to the world on Product Hunt. So I like to go on Product Hunt every day. And I think they have like 30 new businesses that are featured every day. And I look through there. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. And so, every once in a while, one catches my eye and I'll just reach out and be like, can I help you guys? Can I help you with a little bit of your branding? Can I help you with tell your story? I, that's kind of what I do now, is I help people tell their story in a better way. And and I think in the same way, maybe you're really good at operations, or you're really good at, at marketing, or you're really good at you know whatever it is, customer acquisition. Like there's some sort of skill that you have. And and I love the idea of um, of calling it like it's a stewardship or it's an assignment. You know, like what if you were to help that company, whether it's financially investing or or through your time right we all have either time or money and usually we have one of <laughs> more of one and less of the other but what if you were to invest in that company and help them get to the next level and somehow have some skin in the game so you benefit from their growth i think that's a really fun way to live
1: that's fascinating and it's really interesting that i mean if you look at robert kiyosaki right in his cash flow yeah. quadrant and the whole idea yeah. that you can be self-employed. you can be yep. an employee, or you can jump over to the ability to have businesses or investments working for you, producing that those dollars that are not contingent on your time. And I think I guess my personal opinion in this is that we all have the ability to make things better, as you were saying. We all have a uniqueness or in a, a unique gifting that we're meant to be using. And that may, nef- may may be in starting your own business, or it may be in supporting another business. But if we're all fully alive and fully yeah. walking in everything that we're meant to be living in and fulfilling our potential, then we're going to be improving the world around us. And I think uh, that whole entrepreneurship conversation really is just, how do I serve people really well? How do I provide for a need that exists in the world? And how do I uh, connect with people in a way that I'm using my uniqueness. Okay. So, so how did all of this lead for you to a book and a Ted talk?
2: Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, it's, I, I talk about it in the book, but the idea is like show up and serve. And, and if you don't know what to do, just show up and serve. And in, instead of binge watching whatever the newest, coolest show is like, Go, go pick somebody, pick somebody that you follow online and show up and serve. Like, is there a way to help them? So a, a story I tell in the book is my friend, Scott, we were next to our neighbors at our little uh, condo in, in, uh, in San Diego in Solana beach. And he was a, he was a musician. He wanted to be a composer. He wanted to work on film, film scores, and he was going to his insurance job every day. And, and one day he told me the story. Like one day he was on his, his film favorite film composers website. The guy's personal website. You know, he kind of shares his story and stuff like that on the website. And as he was reading through the website, he saw spelling errors. He was like, "This is Larry, like this famous composer guy. He shouldn't have spelling errors on his website." This is a bug, Scott. So what he did is he his, he took a screenshot. He typed up what all the spelling errors are. He went to the clicked on the webmaster link at the bottom of the on the the website sent an email and said, hey, there's spelling errors. I'm a big fan. I'm a composer myself. There's some spelling errors on your website. Here are all the spelling errors. Here are all the corrections. You know, let me know if I can help you. And 30 minutes later, Scott got a phone call from an unrecognized number. It was Larry, the composer who he like looks up to, like this Academy Award-winning composer, called him on the phone and said, "Hey, Scott, thanks so much. I forwarded your email to to my uh, you know to my web person. But by the way, I looked at your portfolio on your website and I saw that you're really good at whatever the app was. I think it's called Symphony. You're you're like really good at Symphony. Can you come over to my house and help me? Because I'm trying to figure this thing out. And no ki- no joke, like in three hours." from sending that email, Scott is at this composer's beachfront, amazing house in La Jolla, California, helping the guy set up his computer in symphony and helping him get this thing going. And since, I mean, he's done projects with them. And so that's kind of my journey, you know, is just showing up. So I, I showed up and I helped this guy named Dan Miller, who's a career coach that led me to helping out this guy, Michael Hyatt, who's a kind of a, a business strategy guy mm-hmm. that led to me helping out a few of his blog clients. And as a result, I was able to sort of just keep growing this thing. And, and as I was doing that, as the income was coming in and as, as I was having these new opportunities, um, this is kind of the dark side of the story is I realized that I wasn't getting repeat business. I would mm-hmm. I would launch this book with a, with a client. And then the next time they launched their book, they didn't call me. Or I'd launch a course with a client. And the next time they launched a course, they didn't work with me. And I was having these one-time deals with these people, right? And I was like, I'm good at what I do. We're making a, a lot of money. We're making a big impact, growing their email list. Kind of my, my niche is really helping them with their audience, And, uh, and, and I was, I was working with a client and and we're interviewing a career coach for his membership site. And I was on that call. And right at the end of the call, uh, this guy, Mike, he says, he says, if you really want to take your business and life to the next level, you need to do a 360 assessment. And then like, click, have a great day. That was the last thing he said. And it just sours me. I'm like, what is a 360 assessment? And so essentially, imagine you're standing in, in a room with all the people around you, all your former clients, your current clients, your friends, your family, you know, you people you used to work with, like everybody's standing around in a circle and they're just telling you what they see. And they're helping you like see what you don't see. And that's basically the idea of a 360 assessment. So mm. I, I listened to his advice and I created a little Google form with three questions. Like, what am I good at? Um, where am I stuck? And if you could tell me anything anonymously, what would you say? I didn't require an email or a, or a, um, a name or anything. And I, I put this little Google form together and I put it on my social media. I emailed it to my list. And here's the hardest part. I texted it to all these former clients. I oh, said, wow. hey, I'm just trying to level up. And I'm doing this little thing called 360 assessment. I want your feedback. Would you mind taking this three three-question survey? And I'm thinking like, you know, they're going to tell me like, Brian, you're great, but you're too expensive. Or or Brian, you're great, but you know this one thing. Like I had no idea what they were going to say, and repeatedly it happened multiple times. They said Brian often puts profits over people, and it hit me like a ton of bricks, Hmm. huge blind spot. And it was like, man, I love making money. I love helping people grow killer businesses, but I'm terrible at the follow up. I don't send the thank you card. I don't ask how your kids are doing. Like, you tell me that you're going through something. I'm like, okay, cool. But how's the business going? You know, and it was this huge blind spot. And so the book really comes out of my, my journey of like, I literally like kind of did an apology tour where I would call each person that I'd worked with. And I said, Hey, listen, I just want to clear the air. I realize now that like I could have been a better human, you know, in that relationship. Is there anything you need me to know? And I started having these tear filled conversations, which is not my natural strength, right? Mm. These tear filled conversations with former clients who were just saying, you know, you're kind of a jerk. You know, you're, you're, you helped me, but I didn't like how it went. And, and so as a result, I, I sort of went through this process of just going, when I start something with someone, I need to do it a little bit more relationally instead, mm-hmm. of, a little bit, instead of so results focused. So that's where the book comes from. It's just, it's about how do you navigate relationships when you're a Highly driven entrepreneur, which we just, we're just not good at, or at least I'm not. And I found there's other people that can relate to that.
1: That is fascinating. Well, thank you for being so transparent in that. I think it's interesting that you're sharing your struggle, but also what came out of that. And Mm -hmm. if you would not have been open to the feedback, or you would not have said, Hey, I really need to do this 360 assessment, and it might be painful, but I'm afraid of that. So I'm not going to do it. I mean, (laughs) if you chose then not to take that feedback, where would you have stunted your growth going forward? And I just take that as a personal lesson as well. Where are those things that you, me, where are we afraid to do that next thing that could completely catapult our business going forward? And it's just fascinating that you said, not is this a character flaw, but is this a problem? Is this a way of showing up that I can change? And you know that just shows... We all have the ability to grow, and if we have the growth mindset, then we're not saying this is just my personality, it's just how I am, it's just who I am, I can't change. I have reasons for the way I am and yep. and it's working for me so far. We all have so much more capacity than we're living at, so uh um, yeah. Bruce, I saw that you wanted to share something there too
0: well i was uh, I think that I think there's a balance there also, yes um uh, because. I I can't believe I've been actually accused of being too relationship business and hey we need to get going on the yeah. on the business aspect and I don't mean that as an I'm just I'm just telling you what it, I've been accused of right and and I'm always thinking hey well we'll get to that eventually but I can best serve you if I know you as a person wow. but s- some people don't necessarily agree with that yeah so. That's another part, I think, in all of this is to access the needs of your client. How, are, yeah. how do they best, you know, want to be worked with? Do they want to be strictly business? Do they yeah. want to be relationship focused? You know, so on and so forth. I don't yeah. know. That's just something I thought about.
2: Yeah, you know, it's. I think. I think it. It has so much to do with with our upbringing, with what we've experienced, with with the opportunities that we've had. But you know, for for all of those reasons, we are we are now where we are right now. And and there's great things. Like there's really amazing things that we're we're good at. We can really help people with people that we're really destined to serve. But along the way, we pick up some misbeliefs or we pick up some mm-hmm. blind spots. And if we don't have people in our life to say like, hey, I noticed this in you, um, then we're going to keep, keep making the same mistake over and over again, you know? And so that's, that's really the power of the 360 assessment. And, 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 and so as a result, you know, and I, t- I talk about this quite a lot in the book, like I, the, the idea of now, how do I go make that right? And how do I prevent it from happening again? Um, can be really, really powerful. I think really at the end of the day, you know, like I'm, I'm going to a funeral. My, my, my wife's aunt died. And so I'm going to her funeral tomorrow. And I think there's something so powerful about a funeral because you get to see like, that was your, this is your window. Like you only have this mm-hmm. limited time, you know? Our life is like a vapor, right? Mm-hmm. This limited time here on earth. And so like, what are we going to do with that? And, and, and I think if, if I end up at the top of the mountain at the top of my industry, but I've burned all these bridges along the way, like that's not success. In the same way, it's not success if my kids hate me. It's not the success if my clients hate me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I really had to kind of pull that apart and look at that. You know, the book does, definitely doesn't resonate with anybody, with everybody, but who it resonates with are people who just don't like really just focus on the work in front of them, and and I just think that's just sort of the way that I think about things. And so I love that that you think about the people I work with. People who think about the people, which is awesome, you know. And I think the the fortunate thing is there's all kinds of people, you know, and we all have our we all have our skill set. But what it's not that we have ever have to fix our weaknesses. I don't think you actually fix your weaknesses. I think you double down on your strengths. But at least you sort of minimize some of the some of the, um, you know. S- some of the uh, liabilities of your of your weaknesses by surrounding See without yourself the rough with edges. <laughs> that's, that.
0: That, that's that's very Dan Sullivan of you. If you don't, yeah, Dan Sullivan, yeah, he's,
2: he's I've cool. learned a ton from Dan. Yeah.
1: Oh, he's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yes. What's really interesting is that you're talking about this idea of being a good person, and we mm-hmm. talk regularly. So I'm going to back up just a little bit. Um, part of my story is something that's really fueled a huge part of the work that we do as well with really helping people to craft and design a multi-generational legacy of more than money. Now, this is connected over to a book that is about to be released. And it started from a near-death experience story that I never would have picked. So kind of all the way back full circle to where you were talking about, you have a message, you have something that you've walked through, that you've figured out in your life or that you've used as a catalyst for some kind of change I feel that and I live that and so I yeah. know how true it is that you, that you're sharing that. And so legacy is extremely important and I wanted to actually pull this piece out where you were talking about what do people say at a funeral? Yeah. And and what is that legacy that you're leaving? And I think so many times people think I need to just have as much money as possible or I need to just, you know, make sure that financially I have left this legacy. And really what's most important is the values that you instill into children beyond you. And the only way that you can instill those values is to live them. And the only way that you can live them is by getting really clear on what exactly is a good person. How do I operate in the world in a way that I'm proud of? And how do I Mm. help my kids do that as well? So that whatever amount of fuel I dump on that fire for them, whether it's a small financial legacy and inheritance or a tremendous multi-billion dollar legacy that I leave to my kids and my family going forward, the money just helps propel and fuel that seed That's right. that already exists. And so I love that you're bringing it back to truly what matters and building those those healthy relationships and those strong, strong families. It's the people that matter.
2: It really is. It, it's And it's so fun to be able to, you know, like like what we because I'm a parent, right? I'm a dad, you know, my wife and I are are 20 years married this coming summer, which is really fun. And we've got three little kids. They're not so little anymore, actually 12, nine and six. And so, so I drive them to their school in the morning and then Julie picks them up in the afternoon. And, and what we started doing just a couple of days ago, we have this book called The Fallacy Detective, which is super fun, right? Mm. And, and so my 12-year-old will read a chapter to the, kid, to the other kids while we're in the car. So this morning we read chapter three. So we just started it. And it's basically like, what's a fallacy that's out there? It's all logical fallacies, right? So it's like the red herring argument or like whatever it is. And, and, and we we're preparing our kids for a world that we will never see. And, and so, you know, I was, as an entrepreneur, also as a person of faith, as a, as a conservative voter, right? like, these are all things that I really embrace. You look at what's happening in our world and you're like, we got to get these kids ready. You know, they are going to fight battles that we will never fight. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to pick up a sword that we would never have picked up, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think we have such an opportunity to, to really steward the time that we have with our kids to make an impact. And, and, the the coolest thing about entrepreneurship is that you have that flexibility to be able to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I volunteered at my daughter's school today and I hung out with the kids for lunch and then we played soccer for recess, you know, but it's those little stories, those little conversations you have where they get to see you involved. And then, and as an entrepreneur, I think you, you just have so many of these opportunities. So it's, 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 it's really fun to be part of that.
1: That is very fascinating. I love that you mentioned that we're preparing kids for a world that doesn't exist yet. I mean, if we really think about even the whole entrepreneurial conversation, if you're seeking to solve problems and you're existing in a space that isn't constant because nothing is constant. I mean, even the way that education was set up 20 years ago and the way that we thought about jobs and work 20 years ago doesn't apply today. And the world's just changing that much more rapidly, which means we have so much space to create kids that are super resilient and able to navigate that and come up with ideas and create the future. So, so I fun. love I love that you're focused on doing that. So love it. Brian, who I know you talked really about you work with people to help them um, craft their message and really be able to leave that security of a job to mm-hmm. the bigger opportunity of being able to use their message and and share their message with others and really profit and create the impact from that. Tell people specifically how they can connect with you. And let's come back full circle as well to Bruce's question about the tool that you give people to really help them assess um, their business and their needs.
2: Yes. Uh, Well, I I think being an online entrepreneur, starting your online business can feel really overwhelming. And it's kind of like when you go to fill out a form for like a mortgage or life insurance online, like don't do it, right? Because once you fill out one of those forms, you get inundated by all these people that wanna sell you a mortgage, right? Or all these people who wanna sell you life insurance. And in the same way, when you start Googling, like how do I start my online business or how do I write a book? There's so many people out there that are teaching all kinds of stuff. And and they almost kind of purposely overwhelm you because then you have to hire them as a coach. And, and as I've been doing this now for nine years full time, I'm like, you know what, I what do I wish that I had when I got started? And I wish that I had just a one page blueprint, just like, okay, who is it that I serve? And what is it that I offer? And what is it, you know, what is it that I help them with? Like just the really, really basic question. So I call it the one page business blueprint. Uh, BrianDixon.com is my website. So you just go to my website.com. We have BrianDixon.com. It's the first thing that you see on there. You download the PDF Uh, I offer some training to help you with it, but you know, you get the thing for free. You just download it. And I've had countless people now that fill it out and go, finally, like I can explain what I do, you know, like, and I think that clarity is kindness to be able to have clarity in your business will really propel you to growing your business because you know exactly what you do and who you serve. So I do believe it starts with your people, which is with the book, right? That's, that's really my core message is you got to start with your audience, but then once you know who you want to help and how do you help them, what do you offer them? And all of that is covered with the one page business blueprint uh, at briandixon.com.
1: That is awesome. Well, I really love uh, just what you're sharing about helping people to get that clarity. Sometimes Mm -hmm. clarity is the most important thing. And we skip over that and we do all the filler and we try to follow a million strategies and put all these tactics together and make a lot of mistakes and learn by trial and error. And I can raise my hand and say that we've done a lot of that as well. So it's interesting that sometimes it takes that learning to be able to be an overnight success in whatever, 42 years or (laughs) however however long um, that we have a lifespan. I think sometimes we expect that success to be really instantaneous in business. It's not always that way. But what's really interesting though is that there is a proven path for people who have accomplished and who are standing at the uh, position of saying, I am profitable. I am successful. Now how do I help somebody to follow that path instead of just guessing? So thank you for sharing that, Brian. And it's really similar financially. I mean, a lot of the work that we do, it's, it's not just guessing. It's not just saying, well, let me pay off this, um, loan as quickly as possible. Let me uh, save a little money. Let me just uh, get a college savings plan. Let me just put in some money in a four hundred one k. Let me uh, start the the life insurance online application. Let me work with twenty five different advisors and figure out. You know, I'll get there somewhere, and someday, and making a lot of mistakes. And so, it's really helpful to be able to work with somebody who can see that big picture and help you navigate the obstacles you don't even know that are there in front of you. So,
2: yeah, it's so fun. It's it's. I I can't believe I get to do this for a living, but it's like, I love meeting new people who are in an industry that I don't know anything about, right? So everybody, like I I started working with somebody who is a coach for race. I don't even know what the right term is, but like NASCAR drivers, like people that drive Mm. race cars. And he like coaches them on how to drive faster. That doesn't make sense to me. Like, do you just press the pedal longer? Like, I don't really know exactly what he does, but he's like the best in the world at it. He's really, really good. But but that's he's trading time for money, And I'm like, there's a better way to do this. Like, what if you had a course? What if you had a training program? What if you had a membership site? What if you had a conference? What if you had a workshop? And so just walking him through the process of what's possible and then how to get started. And and that's what I love doing. Just like my story of starting and going, I can help parents keep their kids safe on the internet. You can help people with something. But if you're stuck getting started, I can help you with that.
1: Fascinating. Well, I'm so glad we had you on the show today. This is really wonderful. Bruce, is there anything you wanted to ask or share as we wrap up?
0: No, I just think um, you have to look at yourself and the. You know, we we all obviously have read a lot of people and have influenced our, our lives, but you know, you have to get started. That's the that's the bottom line. And, you know, Nelson Nash, one of my great mentors always said, you know, the best time to plant a tree is 70 years ago. And the second best time to plant a tree is today. So let's, let's plant the tree in your life and get started. So good.
1: That's excellent. Well, Brian, thank you for joining us on the show today. In closing, what would you share to that entrepreneur that is, at that pivot point that maybe is recognizing a new message, or maybe it's taking them in a direction that they didn't realize. Maybe they thought this was the business plan and the business path. And all of a sudden they're recognizing there's something else needed. There's something else for them to do a a new assignment. What would you say to them is the first thing for them to do?
2: Oh my goodness. It's, it's such a great question, Rachel. I, I think for me, I think it's probably posting this question um, post the question on your personal Facebook or your LinkedIn. And and the question is, does anybody else? That's it. Does anybody else? And then whatever your thing is, the thing that you're curious about. So does, is anybody else interested in learning about NFTs? Is anybody else starting to invest in cryptocurrency? Is anybody else worried about your, your healthcare for the long term? Like whatever your thing is, just post that question. Is anybody else? Does anybody else? And then what you do is after you have people comment, like, yes, I'm thinking about it. Yes, I'm learning about it, whatever it is, then you just message them. You just say, hey, you want to have a conversation? You want to start a little book club? Like, just start working with people that are already in your life and those opportunities will present themselves. Maybe that means you become a speaker on the side. Maybe that means you have a little Facebook group. Like, but you just got to start. And my favorite way to get started is just ask the question, is anybody else interested in this thing I'm thinking about?
1: That's a fascinating first step. Thank you so much. I've seen You're you welcome. do that personally and ask a lot of questions. You're excellent at that. So thank you for modeling and leading the way there.
2: Absolutely. Y'all, thank you so much for having me. It was such a, such a pleasure, such a joy to be here today.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Brian. And if you're listening today, you know what to do. Hop on over to briandixon.com. That is D-I-X-O-N. Just want to make sure I'm spelling that correctly for you. Go ahead on over to his website and go ahead and connect with what he's doing over at briandixon.com. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been an honor. And thank you for sharing so much wisdom from so many different venues and areas of life and pulling that all together.
2: Awesome. My pleasure. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you. In closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd. And build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside.
0: Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on the MoneyAdvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.